All episodes of It's Great Business reflect the views and opinions of Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group and its guests and do not reflect the official policy or guidance of employers or government entities. You're listening to It's Great Business, sponsored by Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group, where great business equals great people. Welcome to another episode of It's Great Business, and I'm Janice Berg-Levy. Today, I have a super interesting guest who I think you will really enjoy hearing from. His name is Bob Carrigan, and he is an accomplished leader in sales and marketing and currently serves as the executive senior partner of the Lucas Group, a corn ferry company. With more than 20 years of experience, Bob offers his expertise to clients and candidates, helping them achieve their business career aspirations. Most recently, what Bob was sharing with me was that he has been a top 10 recruiter for his company for the last four years. Wow. I mean, Bob, this is the sweet spot of what we talk about every day on this program in terms of career and balance and journey. So welcome, Bob. Thanks, Janice. Thanks so much for having me today. Yeah, this will be fun. So I like to get right into it, as our listeners know. And one of the first things I'd like to ask you is, I mean, I've given you the introduction, and uh, but there's, I'm sure, a lot more to you than, than that brief introduction. So tell me, what do you believe your, your purpose is? What, is? what are you passionate about? Because you have tremendous experience in terms of helping people with their careers. Yeah, thank you. I, I um, you know, I think after uh, a 20 plus year career journey, I, I think I've, you know, found my, found another calling. I think I've had one, another calling before this, but I love helping people. I mean, I really do. I mean, I, I found that both in my personal and my professional life, life that it's been always important to me. I, I, I think, you know, finding what we love to do or enjoy doing in our careers is, is really important and paramount. And um, being a recruiter, I get to kind of help both sides of that you know, both find, you know, help companies find great talent and find it, help an individual find that next great career move for themselves. And so, um, yeah, I've been, I've been blessed with uh, this experience. So you mentioned that you, you've had different thing, different career assignments, I guess, over the years, where did you start? So after graduate school, I, uh, I got an opportunity to work for Intel Corporation in the nineties. And what was great about that experience is Intel in the 90s, early mid 90s was like what we see Amazon, Facebook, Google have been the last 10 plus years is that, you know, they're in their prime of the business growth and Intel was definitely there in the 90s. So that experience was fantastic. It was eye opening in that, you know, one year at Intel was like two years at any other company at the time. Mm. So that was my starting point and jumping off point. But it uh, was a good experience to have it early because I think it kind of gave me some sense of what's important to me long-term. Great. So what did you study? Like, what was your, you know, when you said, you know, after grad school, what did you think yeah. you were going to do? Well, you know, under, I'll even go back to undergraduate. You know, undergraduate, I was, I was a marketing major um, and, uh, you know, with a little bit of a concentration. I don't think it was as much of a concentration as it's become in a lot of colleges today, but event and sports marketing was of personal interest to me. And um, so I, I kind of had some studies there. I did some internships. And then the job market was not great coming out of Florida State at the time. This was in early 90s. So I went ahead and got my uh, 
my MBA. Um, was able to get to a top 25 program and, and did that. And um, I was still thinking I was going to go event and sports marketing after my MBA. And I think my eyes just got open to, you know, well, there's not a lot of money to be made in that business, especially when you're entry level. So, um, so that's how I ended up pursuing other things and landed at Intel. Interesting. Yeah. And a shout out to your, your school for your MBA, because we have that in common. So right. go Terps, right? University <laughs> of Maryland. Right. Yeah. Big that's supporter. Right. So we got to, we got to mention them, right? Yep. So as you think about, um, and this is for both sides, both from your career, as well as what you see happening, because you're in the thick of it every day. What is changing in terms of, I guess, both sides um, from the, you know, the, the candidate as well as the company in, in, in what they're looking for? You know, the thing that I, that I think has turned things upside down, and, and it's not to be cliche, but, you know, the, the world of COVID, you know, the, the pandemic we've all been through over the last two plus years, um, really changed so much of our lives, right, personally and professionally. And on the professional side, um, the, the, we all, we all suddenly in, in March of 2020 had to, had to leave our desks, whatever offices we worked at, we were told to, you know, go home for a period of time and go work. And, um, you know, I'll speak firsthand. I mean, that was a little unusual or uncomfortable for me. Um, you know, I was always one who enjoyed an office environment, camaraderie of my colleagues to be around me or nearby. So that was an adjustment, I think, for, for many. Some people maybe were a natural fit, loved it. So we've all done it for a long period of time. I mean, a year and a half plus. I mean, some companies have been going back over the last six months with hybrid models, et cetera. But I, but I think that many people have gotten accustomed to the fact that they can do their jobs quite well uh, with, with the work, working from home as opposed to being in an office, um, no longer having that commute. So um, that expectation from the employee, and I think it's, at, it's not just at the individual contributor level, I think it's at manager levels, um, even maybe executive levels too, to some extent, that believers that it can be done. So I think that change is, is real. And I've read an article last week where it was stated that people that have been, companies have been trying hybrid models, work models, that people are not feeling comfortable with them because they're not seeing their colleagues with the same frequency, right? Sometimes they're coming into offices that are semi-empty or maybe they're working different days than their colleagues. So that's maybe not going to work as well as we hope. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, I'll comment on that. It was interesting because I was just talking to somebody who's an attorney and it, what they were saying was, yeah, we have this hybrid. So it's like, you know, I go in the office on a pick the day, Tuesday, and I'm the only one in the office. And then everyone's on Zoom or better yet, there's a few of us, but we're all on Zoom anyway. So it's like, why are we in the office? What a waste yeah, of time. Yeah. We can get a lot more done. So I do think, and again, there's a generational piece of this as well uh, in terms of people that were used to always being in the office versus those that might be entering the workforce or in early part of the career. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And I would say the pushback from these from the companies and, and you know that you're, you're working with and, and how they feel about it. Any yeah. insight on that? Yeah, no, I mean, I, it's interesting. I think there's a, there's a mix. I mean, I'd probably say some of my, some of my best customers, top customers I work with more frequently, um, many of them, I, I got one that expects people to be in the office. Um, I've got one that, that's trying to move towards a hybrid model, but they're trying to be flexible because they want to make sure they get the best people. I think right. that's, that's, a, that's a theme that I think companies need to be 
smart about is having as much flexibility as possible because you want to get the best talent. Now, the flip side of what we're talking about that I, that I think is if I'm a leader of a team or an organization, I think the challenge lies in that, you know, we're bringing in, you bring in new people into your organization, you know, on a, on a weekly, monthly basis, depending on how large your company is, how do we develop culture, right, with new people and how do they, how do they become a little bit more acclimated to their, to their colleagues or peers, the, the process. I've always been a big promoter of onboarding is probably the most important thing a company can do well for somebody coming in, you know, a new hire. I think onboarding is now taken to a whole new level with being, these people starting remote, you know, and, and because I, you know, I think the theme of, of the pandemic, um, one of the big themes was isolation, right? Whether you're an individual living alone or, or even if you're uh, in a relationship, um, you still felt isolated in many ways. So it's relevant. Yeah, yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, but I think, like you said, getting the best candidate is, is it's all of a sudden there's this opportunity where you can reach out if you're a business that's primarily looking on the, you know, is in the East Coast, we'll say on the East Coast. And then yet there's really great innovators, let's say on the West Coast who don't want to leave the West Coast. Can you, you know, can you, can you leverage that? So I think it'll be fascinating to see, will we retreat back to uh, the old way or will there be something that we take away from, from this experience that enriches, you know, the business, uh, I would say business resources, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the greater workforce, the, the key thing is, is with working from home is having discipline, right? Is, is you're, you, you are, you, you're all, I mean, I always, I've always been a believer that you're running your own business, whatever you do, you're kind of running your own business within the organization to some extent. And uh, when, when we're working remote on our own, you know, we have to be more disciplined than ever, you know, and now I know that we can be afforded some flexibility too, but um, so I can appreciate where leaders are concerned. Yeah, I agree with you. I I agree. There's some some people that were just really good. They were available. They'd adhere to the guidance and others where they were what we called MIA for the day, right? They might appear somewhere like in the evening and you're you're like, well, that's great, but guess what? No one else is on when you're on, okay? Especially if you're a US-based company. So how do you define success now with all the years of experience that you have? Yeah, you know, I've, I've, I've always been, you know, having kind of come up a little bit more with a sales background, sales career, um, I've, I have a philosophy of, of believing in small wins um, in that, um, you know, when it comes to whatever our business responsibilities are is, you know, celebrating the small wins along the way. It's kind of like um, the adage, uh, the journey and the destination, right? I'm a, I, I just think that we need to worry less about, I mean, yes, we should have goals and, and work towards those goals, but I think the activity that we do to get to the goals is the most important piece in getting there, right? And so doing the right activity will get you the results you want. So, so I think along that process is celebrating the small wins along the way that help us get there um, is something that is a philosophy I've kind of started believing in earlier in my career. And I, I definitely something that I share with others. So is there anything that now that you sort of look back, the whole hindsight is 2020, what's different about your view of success? If anything, I don't, I think being patient, I think sometimes I, I think 
many of us can be guilty in our 20s and 30s of, you know, as we're progressing in our careers, oh, we want this title or the money piece or whatever, you know, whatever the, the carrot is that's important to us to, to feel like we're achieving something great, you know, by what, by someone else's standards. I think it's, I think, you know, finding enjoyment and fulfillment in what we do is so important. I think that's what drew me to recruiting um, because I knew, because for my own journey, a career journey is I know that fulfillment is something I realized in my late twenties. I was like, you know, that's what, what I want most is fulfillment. But I think having, you know, different work experiences are, are also, also very relevant. I think it helps us, you know, learn about different businesses, learn about different people. So I think the added advice I would give someone um, that I know now, um, now that, now that I've been in recruiting for a while, is um, I would tell someone to make a career change every five to 10 years. Mm. It, it, that's the, that's yeah. the sweet spot. That's a good know. segue, Bob. That's a really good segue because, again, I'm sure people are listening very intently. Oh, my gosh, you know, recruiter, he's seeing everything. What, what should I be doing even if I'm in a job right now and I'm thinking about, you know, what do I want to do over the next couple of years? People love this section where it's one to two things that you've learned about business success and certainly from the, the line of sight of, of what you do today. What, keep going on that. Like what, so what else? Yeah, changing jobs every handful of years sounds like it makes sense. And, and others have said that as well. What else? Yeah, no, I think, I, I mean, from my own journey, I was, I was with my previous company and career for about 16 years. And, um, you know, in hindsight, I mean, no regrets, but I mean, in hindsight, um, about the nine or 10 year mark um, would have been a great time for me to transition. And now what happened at the time was we had the great, the great recession. Um, this was late 2008, 2009 time period. So it wouldn't have been ideal necessarily for me to change. So I hung on there, get, I had new challenges. But what I learned from hanging on and staying on is that I wasn't growing professionally. I wasn't learning something new and different. And, you know, just that, that spark that I think we all need or want or should want, um, you know, wasn't really there just to help me grow. Right. And so, um, you know, I think that's something that, that we should be thoughtful about. And that five to 10 years, you know, that number, it doesn't mean necessarily you have to change companies per se. If you're working for a a large enough organization or a dynamic enough company that, you know, there's other roles that would be of interest to you and, and your company would in, encourage that, you potentially can find that within your organization. But however, there's many times where it may, may be a company outside and, and maybe it's even an industry change. I mean, that's what I did. I've done industry changes a couple times, two or three times in my career and glad I did every time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I, and and I, I I absolutely agree with that. I mean, having myself moved around and I would coach people all the time, uh, direct reports, et cetera. Same thing. If you don't feel like you're growing and you really want to look for more opportunity, whether it's inside the company or outside, we totally support that because you want people who are really engaged and, and growing in the role. Uh, and so, yeah, that's being stagnant doesn't help anybody, inc including the company. So, yeah. Anyway, and I, on, on that comment, Janice, I think you're, you're nail on the head when you said including the company. Mm -hmm. I think that change of five to 10 years is for both parties. It's not just for the individual. I think the company benefits from having new blood new perspective in, in whatever role or seat that is. So couldn't agree more. Right. 
And it's interesting because just like you have had a rich career. And I remember back in the day, AT&T, the old AT&T, as I like to say, right? They actually had it so that it was mandatory. Um, and you didn't have to stay in the same function, but it was about every three years and you would map out where, what you were going to be doing. And yeah. so, yeah, things would change, but you would get your check off on global and you would get your check off in product management or product marketing, or I mean, whatever those things were, maybe you were chief of staff, but it really grew people. And of course it was continuing education. And I really look at those sort of, I look back on those basics and say, wow, I was really lucky because that's where you kind of learn it. And I remember, you know, the executive kind of doing the grid on the board. So it wasn't a question of them pushing you out. It was really very much a supportive, we're going to help you grow, knowing also that the company was going to benefit at the same time by moving people around and giving people new opportunities. Yeah. So I, I totally support that philosophy. So is there anything you would have done differently? You know, I, I wouldn't wouldn't change anything. The one thing that I would say, maybe this is for uh, younger professionals um, to think about, or or those of us that are giving advice to younger professionals, people that are let's say going into college, is I would the only thing I might do differently is I would have um, majored in undergraduate in psychology as opposed to marketing and business and. I still would go get my MBA like I did. Um, I would be fine with working with the companies I worked for. Um, but the psychology, there's the thing that I think we don't know or appreciate as much maybe as we do once we move along in our careers is that a lot of times what we major in doesn't mean that's what we're going to do for our careers, right? Right. Um, and the reason psychology is of interest to me is I'm a big believer in emotional intelligence and, and, mm -hmm. and EQ. Um, it's probably one of the, I don't know, maybe more underrated um, abilities that people can have. And um, I think psychology, just not, you know, understanding pe people and the way they, why they do what they do and why we think the way we think would have been a great comp added compliment to, you know, um, because mm -hmm. I, getting my MBA, I got plenty of business school teachings and education there. So um, it would have been, it would have been good, but that's the only thing I would change. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you. The psychology, the whole environment, like when I do get calls now from people that are maybe starting out or somewhere in the middle, this is a lot of the conversation. Also social behavior way back at Maryland. I remember I took this class in social behavior. And again, it was one of those, Oh, that sounds interesting. It wasn't core to my major, which was journalism, but it was interesting, and I always remember that class because they we were the experiment, basically, you know, different groups, and the profet we didn't realize what they what he was doing at the time. But yeah, you're this group or you're that group, and there was a certain thing that had to happen. And I really do think about that and how people interacted with each other now more than ever, right? That those behaviors and the culture of a company and how important it is in understanding when you talk about the onboarding because every company has a unique culture and being able to understand that is really, especially large companies is a recipe for, you know, success or not. Yeah, so totally agree. So we're gonna, Bob, we have a section called Fun Facts, which um, our listeners enjoy. And we're just gonna do a quickie here. And I'll ask you a couple of fun facts about you so we can get to know you better. 
All right. So my first one is, who is the person that you admire the most and why? I would definitely say my dad. My dad has had an interesting career journey uh, or life journey, probably let me say career, life journey. He had, uh, he had a great business career. He was a, a traveling sales professional in the uh, technology printed circuit board industry. Had a stroke at 55 years old that um, required him to stop working. And um, I think one of the things that was when that stroke happened within a few days of, you know, his company and, and customers knowing about what happened, um, he got some amazing compliments and thank yous and well wishes from his customers, wow. which really touched me tremendously to hear, you know, because I didn't know what he, you know, I mean, I didn't, wasn't in his life day to day working wise, but to hear his customers compliment them, that was, was such, I was just in awe of that achievement, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, but since then, he, uh, my dad turned 80 in the fall, and I would have told you back then when he had a stroke that he might be with us five or six years, and he's outlived my mom, you know, so he's, yeah. he, he retaught himself, you know, many things, and uh, um, he still does his own taxes today at 80, and um, yeah, he's pretty, pretty amazing guy. Wow, so, he sounds yeah. like a special person. So, favorite book? Uh, American Kingpin, uh, which is a book, um, it's a true, true story about a gentleman who uh, started his own selling of drug paraphernalia, drugs, I, I guess, drugs online on the dark web. This is back in 2000, I think it was 2012, 13 when he did this and fascinating story was riveting. I mean, it sounded fictional, but it, it was a true story. So I'm waiting for, I'm sure there's going to be a movie coming, movie coming out on it. So uh, probably a really Netflix, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they, they produce those pretty quickly these days. So favorite city, favorite city, San Diego, California, I'm sorry, or, or La Jolla. Let me be more specific. La Jolla, California. Okay. Yeah. All right. Duly noted favorite food. Specifically, I know probably this sounds you know cliche or an answer you may get some to some degree. We have a pizza place here in Atlanta, Antico Pizza. Can't get enough of it. Every geography has a like. There, there's this whole war that goes on. We know like the New York pizza versus yep. the whatever Chicago pizza versus yes. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, Bob, this has been so fun, and I'm sure that our listeners would like to reach out to you. How can they find you? Uh, lucasgroup.com. You can find my profile there. And then also you're welcome to email me directly. Uh, it's my first name, bob.carrigan at cornferry.com. So either one you can find. Great. Great. And if people are interested in, uh, perhaps sharing their resume, I guess that's all that information is out on the website for them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I could, yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's available there and you can, you can get it to our, uh, our portal there on the web. Fantastic. That sounds great. Well, thank you so much again for joining us. And thanks everyone for listening to It's Great Business. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Also, check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. And visit us on the web at intracoastalmarketingstrategy.com.